Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Josiah's Voice Podcast. This episode was a real gem and I love talking to my best friend Marcus about his acting career. Just FYI, there is some dated material as Marcus has since moved from Maryland to Los Angeles, finally. And uh, there's also dated reference to just the early days uh, of the pandemic. Uh, in addition to that, we also experienced just some mild audio issues, but don't worry, they fixed themselves about halfway through the episode. Um, lastly, in addition to Marcus's actor page, which we reference in the episode so that you can follow him, uh, he also has a new Instagram handle at this point. So you can follow him at incog.negro on Instagram. I've also included that in the show notes. That's at inc0g.negro. N-E-G-R-0. We hope you enjoy this episode. As you'll see from the two hours of straight laughter, we sure did. Thanks, guys. Hello, you're listening to Josiah's Voice. I'm your host, Josiah Bradley. In this conversational podcast, I invite you on my journey through TV, film, and writing. Plus, fellow artists visit with me to share their own unique creative voices along the way. Tune in and get inspired. We're talking about acting today, and this is my best friend, Marcus Ellison Jr. You've heard him before in previous episodes, and I'm just glad to have him on this actor-centric, best friend-centric episode to talk about acting, to also talk about his podcast ventures and uh, his whole journey as an entertainer. But uh, yeah, bro, it's, it's good to see it. Guys, we're going to try to have some modicum of professionalism. If I've had any professionalism up to this point, I think <laughs> I have. Uh, this season three of Josiah's Voice, I'm still enjoying talking to different artists. And so I got some questions for Marcus. I want to hear some things from, from him, much of which I have heard as we grew up. But also things have changed in the past few years as far as just your trajectory and just making things work in where you are. I'm in LA, Marks and I both grew up in Maryland where he's still at, mm-hmm. he's, he's hit the ground running and he's hustling. So we're going to get into all that. Um, go ahead, tell the listeners, cause I know you want to, how long we've so been. Um, so we have been best friends, not just friends, best friends for 32 years. Beat that. <laughs> y'all ain't got nothing do y'all really have friendship <laughs> exactly friends how many of us have them <laughs> i mean there's a there's a baby photo of us you know i think my aunt did my aunt take it i don't know but there's a baby photo of us maybe 18 months old or younger and mm-hmm. at least one of our dads is in the photo i think it's my dad he's like just in the corner and he's just looking at us, just smiling, like, look at these young black kings. Like, it's just <laughs> it's beautiful. I got I to find it. Like, every now and again, Marks and I will just share, just, just, to, just amongst each other, just to be grateful and just to be like, dang, our heads was big. We <laughs> <laughs> had a mohawk looking like baby Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that, like, we, we bring it up within our circle and we bring it up to each other all the time, just how long we've been friends and how crazy it is that we're still 
you know, so close. Um, and how our trajectory has aligned, really. Um, just looking at us both being in the artistic field, um, us being a part of the entertainment industry and having that kind of same vision, albeit it's evolved over time, but having that same vision since we were young, we used to create comic books together and, you know, craft these stories when we were, when we were, weren't doing our job being ushers at a, at a <laughs> church. <laughs> we were not good watchmen at the gates. <laughs> we were not, but them stories though. <laughs> stories were on point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's crazy. I remember us bonding over like Batman Beyond, like when that premiered, I think it premiered in the evening. That was a fun memory when we were in maybe preteens or something. Mm -hmm. And on the kids W. Oh yeah, it was definitely then. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was like the late nineties, early two thousands, somewhere in there. And Batman Beyond, you know, premiered on the kids WB, but it was really just the regular WB because it was like in the right. evening, like 7.30 p.m. And I remember us mm -hmm. feeling like, yo, this is about to be serious. A cart, like one of our, not like the Simpsons or family, not like an adult cartoon, but like one of our right. cartoons that was still family friendly, but it was going to be a little bit darker, it was going to mm -hmm. premiere at night. And for us, mm -hmm. you're a little kid, everything's important. And that was, yeah. that was important to us. So I remember you and your dad came. I swear we ordered pizza. And you know, little kids swear by pizza. Yeah. We were no dick. Yeah. We ordered some pizza. We almost thought we missed it because when we were kids, we didn't understand East Coast <laughs> Pacific. Yeah. We right. understand that now, now that I'm <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> exactly. We have no choice but to know the difference now. But back then, we were like, 7 p.m. Oh, yeah. Wait, what? Why is baseball on or whatever was <laughs> seventh heaven hadn't gone off or so? I don't know. But that that uh, but nerding out over cartoons like Batman Beyond and, and Men in Black and and mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. we made comic books in church or at kid or at camp, summer camp. Um, video games like, like what were some mm -hmm. of our favorite video games? Uh, we would always play together at least we would always play kind of like the side scroller beat em ups like uh double dragon versus battle toads then we'd also be playing you know sonic uh as we got older we would have like group events and we end up playing stuff like um super tekken. smash brothers you know the tekken exactly so just like the, the the party games that you would expect from a bunch of nerds hanging out with each other yeah. you know but it was always a good time Oh, always a good time. And that I hope and that should shed light a little bit on Marcus. Always been a huge nerd, always been into bringing people together, always into colorful characters and adventure and whatnot. And it's just, it's not just me, guys. It was him as well. Probably influenced me a little bit, maybe a lot. And we'll get into some of that. In fact, let's get into some of that because guys, y'all okay. know screenwriting is kind of like my foundation or writing in general is kind of my foundation. And then from that comes film production and writing novels and TV production and whatnot. I consider that in my memory, my memory serves right. I consider that because Marcus, you wanted to be, I remember as a kid, like in Hollywood, do you remember how old you were? And if not, it's okay. Why Hollywood? It, why acting? Growing up, I, I knew you're, you're, you're right on the money. I knew that I wanted to be in Hollywood. 
I didn't know exactly what I wanted to be doing. I just knew that I wanted to be part of that world. Um, Cause you know, growing up as a kid, you have these broad imaginations, some bigger than others. And I would see things on television and I would just be so enamored with the worlds and these characters that they would paint for us. And I wanted to be a part of that. But I used to not think that black people would act like when I was when I was a kid, you know, we didn't see a lot of us on screen. Yeah. It was like a dime a dozen. And so I didn't really register that I would have a chance of being on screen. So I thought I want to create stories. So I had the whole director storyteller trajectory before I ever got into acting, before that was even an option for me. But of course, growing up, um, where I grew up, you know, not like it was some rough streets or anything, but it was kind of, I didn't have a lot of uh, avenues for um, artistic expression, you know. Gotcha. High Point, the high school I went to, didn't have a drama club. Um, I didn't know anybody in my family that, you know, was, was, artsy acting or exact well well i knew artsy people you know my parents play instruments and stuff like that but it was it was a different type of art a different type, right of course right yeah and so i didn't really have any connects and so the only way that i could get my storytelling fix was with you and when we would just craft these worlds and come up with these movies that we had no resources <laughs> <laughs> to make happen but just like that was how I got my fix um because I just didn't have any other way to do it so yeah that, that's pretty much how I fell into it I've always loved storytelling I've always loved the arts and it just didn't come to me as a viable option or career path until later and I do remember us doing what I guess I know now as TV or story Bibles. We didn't know that back then. But right. Bruh, I had no idea. We could craft a story Bible. We'd have bios. We'd have your birthstone. We'd, <laughs> we'd have your height, <laughs> weight, where you live, uh -huh. personality traits, favorite food. We had stacks on stacks on stacks of all these crazy sci-fi fantasy, alien invasion, superhero stories. Mm -hmm. In the future, like I said, we discover all the different layers of how to put a story together, such as a story Bible. Back then, I think it's really cool that I guess we kind of had it in our heart. I get maybe everyone does. I don't know. I don't know what you think. Maybe everyone knows perhaps that you got to start somewhere, and usually mm -hmm. you might start with the characters and maybe the setting. You think you think right. that's true because we both had that, but I don't think it was unique to us. Yeah, I, I do think that um, everybody, especially when they're kids, has the propensity to storytell. Um, like I said, because there's just that untapped well of imagination and it hasn't been kind of beaten into submission by society yet. You know, like you haven't heard no enough. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. so I think kids are always able to tell stories um it's just some people are or some kids are a little more refined with their storytelling than others um 
And I, that's when you know that that's what the, that kid is meant to do. And I think that was the case with us where we would have, like you were saying, these uh, Bibles, these story Bibles um, before we even knew what that was. And we would have casting options and we would have all of these things that just completely predated our knowledge, but we had them. And it, 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 it's amazing to this day to think that we were doing all that uh, at such a young age. <laughs> that is crazy because it's like I hadn't gone to college we yeah we were still in high school and I didn't I don't know if we had feature like DVD featurettes yeah or maybe we were starting to I don't know if we were into watching that stuff mm-hmm. yet like you know the end of Lord of the Rings or had the 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 making of the Matrix or something maybe we did have right that. but like yeah we didn't have that that structured cinematic or storytelling language. But I guess it's because we'd watched enough cartoons. We had strong enough fandom in us of, you know, different iterations of, say, Batman. I mentioned Batman earlier, you know, we had right. Keaton. We, mm-hmm. we, even if we didn't know who Adam West was, we knew that old, that old timey 60s Batman or yep. uh, probably had Christian Bale around this time. So we, we knew what it looked like to have different kinds of Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman or uh, James Bond or something like that. Or, or um, I remember you were a fan of the Mummy franchise as a kid and mm-hmm. like, you know, the different locations or somebody got recast or something, something like that. Um, did you have, since you started out with directing, which I do, you jogged my memory. Now I do remember that. It wasn't immediately acting. Did you know even one? Do you remember knowing like one director that you were like, I love what he, whether they were black or otherwise? Honestly, the first directors that I put to memory were the Wachowskis. And makes sense. <laughs> Especially that for- was, yeah. And that was because of The Matrix, which to this day, I'm pretty sure is still my favorite movie ever. Um, and yeah, they were the first ones that I committed to memory. There were other movies that I liked um, and loved before then, but just for whatever reason, maybe it, maybe we just didn't have the same access to internet at the time, or maybe it just never True. registered to me to even try to figure out the name of the director. But the Wachowskis, I think I said that wrong the first time. Yeah, the Wachowskis, this, they were the first ones where I'm like, well, I'm going to pay attention to them. I'm going to keep my eye on them because the Matrix is fantastic. So they were the first ones where it kind of scratched that itch. Where mm. I was like, okay, you know, if I'm going to be a director, maybe I should model myself after them. Or maybe, you know, like I should pay more attention to what they do and what they're able to do. Gosh. So they were kind of like my gateway. What is it? What was it about? What are some things about the Matrix that captured your imagination? boy what <laughs> didn't capture my imagination about the matrix my god um one big yes exactly exactly it, it's it's just at the time i couldn't put this to words but now just with age and wisdom i realized that so much about that movie shouldn't have worked like you've got this philosophical art house story with a wire foo kung fu or sorry wire fu action movie everybody's dressed in leather like it's just a bunch it's a hodgepodge of things that when you put it together you don't think that it makes sense 
but they found a way to make it work and they just play into the imagination and what can and can't or what can be possible if you just like indulge into your imagination so well that I'd be hard pressed to find anybody that could watch the matrix and not have their imagination be at least kind of poked at, you know, and that movie still has my favorite and most mind blowing movie experience ever where Neo tells a bullet, no, and it listens (laughs) that, that to, to this day, I still can't fully wrap my head around that. There, I've seen, I've seen all types of movies, all types of art house movies, big old blockbusters, all that. I've seen all that, and there's been moments where I've scratched my head and been like, "Huh," and amazed by things. But nothing to this day has still blown my mind in the way that Neo telling that bullet no and the bullet dropped. That still kills me to this day. I could watch that scene at any point of the day, and I'll just be like. This nigga just told. Me. I'm sorry. I, I, maybe I, should, I don't know if I should be saying that. My bad. But you know, like it's just it, it kills me to this day. The Matrix uh, definitely. Yeah, I like how you said uh, how the the Wachowskis Wachowski, indulge mm. their imaginations. So and it like bonded us. Like I remember us going on. What was it? You remember the website? Oh. Dog, I want to say the one ring.net, but that's the Lord of the Rings. Um, oh, the Matrix. Oh, what I, is it called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget what it's called, though, but I know Matrix exactly 101? what it's called. I think so. I it think might, it was the Matrix 101. That the Matrix 101.com, I think, after my parents, because you, you know, I mean, we're both lucky to watch it, but you, you and your dad, I, I think y'all saw it in theaters. Yeah. I yeah. didn't see it until months later on VHS, and like the family watched it and everything. And I remember like, like everything, like him telling the bullet, no, you know, the iconic dodge the bullet slow-mo scene mm-hmm. and some, and I think I just. Movie still you know, holds up too. Still holds up. I think I went ahead and hooked up the dial up internet. <laughs> and I guess either I had ask Jeeves or maybe we had Google or Yahoo or one of them. Ask and, Jeeves. <laughs> I, I, I asked one of those search engines and made the uh-huh. stuff came up and somehow I came across, I think it was the matrix101.net.com, something like that. I wonder if it's still up. I should look. And it just, it was just people, I guess it was almost like a Wikipedia mm-hmm. of stuff specific to the matrix that other people were, were writing because they yeah. had, they had more, they were all adults probably or, or super, <laughs> crazy nerdy teens teens who were nerdier than we were and maybe older and they had access maybe they knew the right books and they maybe they had a few sparse connections and understood production better and they just Mm -hmm. they described neo and his trajectory and why his name was anderson and how neo the word neo also means the one and and Mm -hmm. and just all these different fan theories and what kind of felt like plausible like grounded facts within the world of the movie and and it only got bigger as the majors became a trilogy and i think that had a big effect on us and i remember us bonding over the animatrix and like (laughs) the matrix reloaded and then 
five months later, The Matrix Revolution. It's like, you mean to tell me a movie and its sequel came yeah. out the same year? That that was I haven't seen also that just right. That was so wild at that period of time to be like, okay, the, you know, Reloaded came out, the movie ends. We're like, oh man, I can't wait to wait a minute. It's coming out when? In the same year? Or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. That was The Matrix really did. That did a number on our imagination, boy. I tell you what, the inside mm-hmm. jokes, the the kung <laughs> kung fu, the wire fu, the just just it just really impacted the culture and really like yeah, it really had a big effect on us as far as like world building and then and then leading into things like the mate like um the Lord of the Rings, which would come out a year or two later, and yep. um Batman series, and then you know leading up to like Marvel and just just kind of seeing that trajectory of franchise and world building and story and just our command, maybe not our command of it, but our um, voracious appetite. Did I say that right? Yes. For for storytelling like that. Did you, would you mind sharing like, if you had like, like who, um, was it Lawrence Fishburne who, would, would it be safe to say he was like one black actor? Cause you definitely mentioned that. And I know what that means to you. I know what it means to me. Was he somebody who like left a stamp on you as it relates to your wanting to be an entertainment plus love of the matrix or were there other mm-hmm. black actors maybe, maybe later or something or maybe it didn't occur to you when the matrix came out? You know, it's interesting. Um, I appreciate that question, by the way. Uh, it's interesting um, growing up when we grew up and kind of we were still in this awkward phase with i guess blackness in the mainstream mm-hmm. yeah where you know cars on the table i blackness as a concept to me didn't start to register until i was older and then i realized looking back on things like okay yeah this these things started to add up but when i was younger it just kind of i no, I knew that I was black and mm-hmm. I knew that people that looked like me, you know, like I understood that commonality, but blackness wasn't a thing in my mind yet. But Lawrence Fishburne definitely struck a chord because I was like, look at this black dude, you know, like this dude looks like me and he's jumping around kicking people in the face and <laughs> you know poetical and philosophical right. and he's got the answer right <laughs> exactly and got those got those cool glasses the right. clip on his nose and like you know i he he did stick out to me another person that stuck out to me was um chris tucker in uh the fifth element yeah one of you his know? favorites and, yeah and it's just seeing these just seeing black people in worlds that in in environments that you don't typically see us in, especially at that time, it did strike a chord with me um, and did broaden my horizons. Even though I still at that time didn't realize I wanted to be an actor, it definitely allowed me to see at least a little more that we can be in those spaces. Gotcha. Who were some black entertainers who did, who when those things added up, started to register for you and like make you feel empowered and i mean of course you had your will smiths um so you you had I, there was a treasure trove once like things started to click i really um 
But, you know, Will Smith was somebody that, you know, stuck out um, just because he was so charismatic and was just getting all of these varied roles. Um, and just... you loved his music. <laughs> <laughs> Willem Switch. Oh, no. He wasn't oh, no. there. They, wasn't... They, weren't, they weren't there. <laughs> they, they ain't know that I bought that album that Switch was on. <laughs> oh man, I'm about to knock over the computer. <laughs> Good times, boy. Oh, we the family function. I swear I was at something at y'all's house. Someone's graduate, someone's something, and y'all's family was blasting switch in the backyard. <laughs> Unapologetically. I'm sorry. They wasn't there. <laughs> they- <laughs> y'all don't know. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that was that took me back. My God. Ooh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there was Will, um, Denzel, um, yeah, yeah. you know, just the, just the classics. I think, you know, Eddie. it wasn't until exactly Eddie. Um, I think it wasn't until I really started to get more, I don't want to use the word refined, but I guess refined with like my movie watching. And then on top of that, getting into the world of acting and understanding more about the industry and immersing myself in that. It wasn't until then that like my viewpoint and my understanding and my awareness of black actors really broadened. Like now I got like a a bunch of people that I'm just like, oh man, like I want to work with this person or I look up to this person or, oh man, this person's amazing. Um, But at the time, I think it was, you know, like your Will Smiths, your Denzels, seeing people on UPN, um, that kind of just made things click a bit, a little bit more. When did your taste begin to develop with cinema, entertainment? When did you start taking acting seriously? The taste question, probably college. I still am not even sure if I have good taste or not. You know, it's totally subjective, uh, you know. That's okay. But, yeah. <laughs> But I think it wasn't until like college where I started going out of my way to go to movie theaters sometimes by myself and seek out more off the beaten path movies. You know, um, in high school and whatnot, you were just generally watching what everybody else was going to go see or, you know, I was more geared toward the blockbusters. Not saying that I didn't see smaller films some from time to time, but like since you're at the mercy of, you know, either public transportation or somebody <laughs> dropping you off somewhere, I only saw what I could see. Yeah. But you know, when I'm able to drive and have a better understanding of public transportation and get myself around more, then it kind of opened up the doors for me to go see things in East Street Cinema or Bethesda Row Cinema or other, you know, indie. Yeah film centric movie theaters and so in college i think my my taste broadened you know yeah um and i was checking out more like i think i remember i went to go see drive and yeah that completely shifted the way that i was viewing movies where i was like i need to i need to check out smaller movies more often because you know i went to go see drive on a whim i saw like the the poster and i was mm-hmm. like Oh, that's interesting. Like, it looks like it's supposed to be some sort of action movie, but the font is 
not what you would expect from an action movie. It's I'm not. Gonna check it out, and I checked it out. It's not metallic. It doesn't look like Fast right. and Furious or, or exactly bold Transformers font. It looks like you know some some beautiful woman like wrote Drive with lipstick or something. It's like exactly. What? That's interesting. Yeah, and I think from that point on, I just started seeking out more and broadening my horizons. Um, as for when I started taking acting seriously, that was also college. Cause even after the point of me being like, okay, I can see acting as a viable option. I still didn't have anywhere to act. And except for church, when we, we would try to do the, um, the, the productions, the, sure. um, the theater productions. But outside of that, I couldn't really find film opportunities. But in college, there was a uh, acting for the film or acting for the screen class. And I took that class and I, I enjoyed myself a lot. But even then I was kind of like, okay, you know, this is cool, but I don't know if I could turn this into anything. It wasn't until the last day of that class and we did our final monologues and my final, I chose uh, like an excerpt from uh, this James Dean book, The Lizard King. So I did that and then I was walking out of the class and the teacher followed me out of class and she was like, look, I just want you to know that if you don't do something with acting, I'll be disappointed in you. That stuck with me because she didn't have to do that, you know? And so I was like, well, I, I guess this must be something that I'm good enough at to warrant that much of a response. I'm going to give this a go. And from then on, you know, on and off for a while, just because, you know, finding opportunities breaking in is kind of hard. But sure. since that moment, that was when this became a pursuit. I don't know if you told me that much about the class per se, but mm -hmm. I remember you telling me about your professor during finals week and you did mm -hmm. your, um, your monologue and she ran out like it's I saw it in my head you know yeah. I, I don't know if she I saw her as white I don't know if she was white but like she was white oh, okay <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> I saw her just kind of come out like in this wide shot down the grassy knoll or whatever and you're, <laughs> and you're walking away probably in a James Dean jacket <laughs> <laughs> Be, you know, because it was a James Dean monologue and she's like, the wind's blowing. And I don't know why it sounds so romantic. Right. <laughs> she's going to profess her love for right. me. Basically, I remember how impressed with the story. I was like, damn it. His professor ran out of school to tell him that? Wow. Because yeah. like, yeah, because like she didn't have, like, it sounds like, like, I guess it sounds so romantic because it's basically a, it's a film class and it mm -hmm. sounds like something out of a movie. And it just, it sounded, yeah. it sounded cinematically romantic. You know what I'm saying? Kind I know exactly the way, what you mean. The way Zora wore a swashbuckler is romantic or like in <laughs> that, that aesthetic. And it's like, wow, she went out of her way to tell my best friend that he's on point, that she thinks he's got potential, that she thinks he could go somewhere and, and like, if he doesn't do anything with it, she'll be what disappointed. And it's like, dang, it's one thing to make somebody mad at you or they hate you. But when they say they're disappointed, right. 
Right. Like, it's like when Mufasa said he was disappointed with it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. messed up. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely spot on. It, it meant the world for her to just make that small gesture. It might not even have registered to her how much that meant. Um, because I was at a bit of a crossroads and she just made everything clicking up my brain that this is what I need to be doing. Um, and I fully intend to thank her. Uh, if I am ever fortunate enough to win an Oscar, I, I fully intend to thank her in my speech. Uh, her name is Ellen Mansueto and I will thank her on stage live television i also want to say thank you thank you ellen Min mensueto did i say that right mensueto yeah i as his best friend as somebody like cheering him on you know from the sidelines i also want to say say thanks because you know yeah it's in a reverse way it's like she's saying she's proud of you and if you know marcus personally you know that like inter and intrapersonal pride in relationships is like important to him. He's always like, people don't say they're proud enough of each other, man. Like that, mm, that means something. When you say that you're proud of somebody, it's the reverse of being disappointed. You know, it's that elevation. Absolutely. And sometimes that's all you need to get you through. So we appreciate you, Professor Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh that's a great story. And yeah, it takes me back to when we were, yeah, college age and just remembering you telling, telling me that story. And it, it felt like, to me, it felt like you'd already made it. You know, I know where I know it's, it's romantic and sounds, you know, all rosy colored and everything, but it was just, you know, it's, I don't know if it hits different because it's, you know, the pandemic and we're social distancing mm. right now in life, but it's like good fond memories like that of like people pouring into other people like that. It, yeah. it does the hard good. It does the hard good. Absolutely. Hold that. Absolutely. That's uh no one can take that away from you. That's powerful. You know? Not one person. Yeah. Um, so you know what? As we go along, all right. So you're taking things seriously, you're in college. Um, what's the Maryland film scene like and what opportunities have you found? Um, first off, once again, good question. You're good at this. I told you before, you're good at this. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. You're succeeding, sir. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, of course. Uh, the Maryland film scene is small, um, as you'd expect. Because, uh, you know, on the East Coast, if you're going to act, New York. That's what everybody knows. You beat me too. Um, yeah, it's it's where you go. Uh, Virginia has a pretty solid um, film and theater scene. True, that's true. Maryland has stuff, but it's so close to DC, and DC in terms of film, there are things that happen, but usually it's documentary stuff that's the <laughs> bread and butter because it's so close to the government. Um, right, right. But like the thing in the DMV area, like predominantly, it's the medical field, government engineering construction you know that type of thing right or entertainment wise so certainly music I, you probably right yeah yeah that's true that's true there there's there's a good amount there's a strong music scene out here mm -hmm. especially now but the acting scene is still pretty small and at first that was a obstacle for me 
because I just was so I was young and, you know, had fire in my belly and wanted to make it so bad that I had this romanticized view of Hollywood and where I was supposed to be. And so I used to kind of resent that the film community here was so small. Over time, though, I've come to really appreciate that it's so small because I never feel like I'm in competition with anybody here. I've been fortunate enough to do some really awesome things, you know, nothing that's like going to get me, get us out the cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our catchphrase. Sure, sure. Yeah, but but some really awesome things that allowed me to cultivate relationships, uh, get some money for for what I do and also kind of open up doors. And because of this small community that is here, I was able to put a, put together a film reel. I was able to have a resume that's stacked. I was able to, you know, get headshots without paying an arm and a leg. Like that lack of dog eat dog crabs in a bucket yeah. because everybody and their mom is doing it like in California and New York right. allowed for things to happen a little more organically and allow me to space things out. And so I've come to really appreciate the fact that I started here. That's great. Uh, and you know, I know about the LA thing, haven't been here a couple of years. I think, um, I don't know if I ever said it, but I later came to feel what you felt of like, dang, I really appreciate how much smaller the film scene was in Maryland mm -hmm. because I grossly overestimated and overly romanticized like my resume. Not that I hadn't worked in some form of film production or had some type of job with editing or cameras or whatnot back prior to my move. But mm -hmm. when you come out here, it is, you are stacked on top of each other because it is the yeah. it is the mecca of not only the country uh, but the world. You know, for now, different hubs are are uh, being built around the around the country and around the world, which I think is only better for yeah. entertainment and cinema. Actually, because different people, you know, I, I don't know a lot about music, but it sounds like people go and record at Abbey Road as opposed. Right to someplace else sometimes because of what you can get out of exactly. Abbey Road for your project. or what, So I look at it that way, I'm sure you do, with uh, yeah. film studios and production houses and whatnot around the world. Mm -hmm. um, so I appreciate you saying that because it is intense out here, maybe rightly so, maybe, maybe not, maybe just is what it is. So I, I appreciate mm -hmm. you saying that and giving that perspective that maybe it's not all bad when to be in, you didn't say it like that, but the obscurity, it's right. allowing you to kind of, to me, it looks like it's allowing you to generate your 10,000 hours, cultivate those relationships, find diamonds in the rough, like some of the stuff mm -hmm. you've been like, you share maybe one or two from the past, like as you've been building that made a great you know relationship or something you were really, really proud of film wise. First, I do want to say that also, an advantage of the smaller um, kind of talent pool and smaller scene is the fact that I've been able to do some of the things that I've been most proud of without needing an agent, you know, and I'm just doing it off of strength of word of mouth or, you know, 
my own hustle. And I appreciate that because now once I do get an agent and stuff in California, I'll also already have my own ground to stand on. So they'll only help me go further because I already bring something to the table. So that that's helpful. Um, but in terms of uh, projects, well, there was a master plan. Um, Josiah, you're already hip, but for the viewers uh, or the listeners there, it was my first leading role. Um, it was a docudrama short film about um, a guy in Baltimore grew up rough, uh, had something really tragic happen one night that landed him in jail. And then he got out and became a community leader in uh, the Baltimore area. That was a big deal for me because, like I said, it was my first lead role. And it was my yeah. first time feeling like somebody was taking a chance on me to rest something on its shoulders, a project on my shoulders and and make it work. And that was huge for me. Um, yeah, because that that made it feel possible. Uh, that was a big deal. Then uh, there was Crispus, which. Ooh to this day is still one of my crowning achievements. Um, yep, <laughs> tell them. <laughs> so Crispus, Crispus, Crispus uh, if Master Plan was my first lead, Crispus was the first time that I basically carried an entire short. Yeah, you did your I Am Legend thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, there were, there were other actors, talented actors that were in it, but you basically are with me like 90% of the entire like 12 minutes. And we saw that joke in the theater too. Sorry, I'm jumping. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Christmas is, um, is a, uh, a short Howard thesis film from a talented, talented young director named Johnny Thomas, who is out in California right now. Shout out to him. Basically, it's about a young man who found himself or finds himself in jail because he tried to do something for his mother who was, you know, slowly degenerating from uh, multiple sclerosis. And due to just the, the pressures and the anxieties and whatnot of prison, he found himself in solitary confinement. And it's watching him kind of deal with that solitude and that isolation and it's very metaphorical it's very dreamy um very art artsy and yeah. this was a big deal because that was my first movie premiere that i've ever had uh because they premiered it at a film festival or a art festival in the kennedy center which was so wild to me <laughs> that was wild bro <laughs> The Kennedy Center. They don't know. Yeah. They 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 ain't <laughs> they here. Don't. They don't know. They wasn't there. Like a Johnny was there. You could take photos with, with, with the, the Kennedy Center backdrop and, and just we was up there and like like the I I don't want it to sound bad because it's not, but it's like we was up high up in the nosebleed. Usually that sounds bad. I don't know. Maybe it was. But it felt. It, I say that the vastness of the of the auditorium yeah. we were in, like oh, that was a. It was yeah. It was a full auditorium, and people were looking at my face for twelve minutes, and 
you know, I also feel like that is one of my best performances that I've ever had. Um, like that, usually, you know, just like the typical actor thing to say, you know, you're you're really harsh on your performances, you pick yourself apart. But that was one of the few that I've sat there and been like, no, I was really good in this. Like I was, I was good. good. And I was very proud of that. Um, also that, that night I signed my first autograph, which was just weird. <laughs> who, who was that with? Or sorry. it was, uh, yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. It was an older woman uh, that just kind of came up to me with uh, her uh, program uh, for the night. And she was like, you know, can I have your autograph? And I thought she was joking. Like, I thought, you know, you know what sure. black people be doing sometimes where it's just like, oh, you big time now. Can I have your autograph? Right, and right. Not tearing you down, but kind of like right. boosting you up, but kind of in a joke. Yeah. Right. So I thought she was joking, but no, she, she was serious. She, she handed me a pen and I was like, wait, wait, you're for real. And she was like, yeah, I want to, you know? And so I signed my first autograph and I was like, this is, this is bizarre. This is strange. (laughs) Yeah, man. That's. And then outside of that, uh, I guess, most recent like accomplishment I could bring up is uh, I have a film up on Amazon Prime right now called a Christmas Cancellation. And that was wild just because it's on Amazon Prime. Like, yeah, it for free. Yeah. It's like for your consumption, you could just watch it right now. And that usually with other stuff that I've done, you know, it's not up for everybody to see you know um for one reason or another you know it's still going through festival circuits or whatever Mm -hmm. and so it's just not as widely accessible but that you could type it in right now and it's there and you can watch it and you know it's not the perfect film it's a it's a micro budget indie film Mm -hmm. but i'm real proud of that uh you know to have that up there and to have so many people have seen it. I had a woman go out of her way to find me on Facebook and tell me that she sees star potential in me because of that. And it's, it's been an interesting experience. And also like that cast and crew, I still keep in touch with to this day. We're still close. They're awesome people. And so, yeah, it's just been, it's, it's been a long and crazy journey and there's still big things to come, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit, but, yeah, those are, I guess, three uh, accomplishments that I can point to right now that like were big stepping stones. Wow. Yeah. Cause, um, and again, you know, yes, I like, I know these things, but it's nice to like hear you say them out loud and like see you and, and catch up um, and just kind of go down memory lane like that, you know, being at yeah. the community center with you or, when you posted, um, not Christmas, when you posted Master Plan, the poster mm-hmm. on Facebook and, and and then the Vimeo link. And, and I was like, that's my best friend right there. <laughs> like, what? And, and, and just, you know, to then to, to Christmas meeting Ajani and and Christmas cancellation on, on uh, Amazon Prime and just, you know, and that's a nerdy film about like, sitcoms and maybe the afterlife and community and and mm-hmm. it's a little meta and it's and it really does look like you guys had the time of your lives and, and it's great yeah. to feel in contact with those folks um because i'm like 
Christmas cancellations like kind of on brand for him because it, it to me it kind of had like this like I don't know why this kind of community you know Dan Harmon's community vibe to it a little bit yeah um, yeah yeah one of our favorite shows you know shout out to all the community fans that's one of me, Marcus and I and our friends favorite shows yeah and it's got to this day. energy go ahead sorry that was like to this day it's one of our favorite shows and just I'm just like, wow, that is totally it for him. And just, you know, the different experimentation they did in that film with like the lighting and the set design and the different locations. And, you know, you, you've got a major role. I just put it that way. And you've got lots of, you got big dialogue. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was, that, that was a, um, it's a fat script. There was, uh, <laughs> they gave me a lot to say. There was many monologues. Well, what was that like? Had you ever had such a dense script, like in a good way before? Had you had such strong monologues before like that or big monologues? Mm, no, I don't think. Yeah, because, um, you know, I had I had done, I think, a feature or two before Christmas Cancellation, but most of my film um, experience was shorts. Yeah. And so, you know, I still had, you know, long, not long script, but like monologue experience and stuff like that. But that okay. was definitely kind of the most verbose role that I've had or had at the time. Um, and that was a challenge, but a fun one. Um, and it was really cool to just bounce off of the other actors because we were, you know, in such close proximity because the place that we were filming at was the director's house. And okay. so he you know, made it up to look like a sitcom set. Yeah. And so like we, when we would be filming on the weekends, we would all be staying there and we just kind of be bouncing off of each other and running through scenes and making sure that we were all bringing each other's A game. And, and it was a really, really great experience, but yeah, it was a fun challenge to kind of make sure that I had my lines. Cause <laughs> there was a lot of them. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm really, uh, I was really glad that, that you had that. Um, how long did that shoot for? Maybe like two months. Cool. All right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a month and a half, two months. Gotcha. Was, uh, what's a difference you, you think between making film shorts and making features since you have experience in both? And do you have a preference or no? I don't think I have a preference. And the difference really is just the amount of time, really, because obviously a short, in a lot of cases, you just get that done in like a weekend, depending on how long the short is. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with features, obviously, you're putting more time in. And depending on how complicated uh, the uh, film itself is, like, I guarantee you that if there was more locations involved with Christmas cancellation, it'd probably take longer to film. But because we were all filming in one location, pretty much. Mm -hmm. we were able to just do it in a shorter amount of time. So yeah, that's really the biggest difference um, is just the amount of time that it takes. But like, I'm down for whatever type. I'm, I don't have a preference, at least not yet. I don't have a preference. Do you know what attracts you to a script just yet? I don't know if that's too big of a question. You, you and I have heard, <laughs> heard that question. You know, what attracts you to, to, yeah. the, to the rich material? <laughs> What is your favorite curse word? 
what generally kind of stands out to me usually is just either if it's something that is going to be a challenge for me or if the story itself or the character kind of engages that fire inside of me you know yeah if it's something that i feel like oh i want it i want this is this is a you know something that i want to sink my teeth into then i'll actively pursue it i'm still at a place where you know i've been acting professionally i'd say now for about five or six years Mm -hmm. but i still feel so new to it all you know i still feel like there's so much that i still have left to do and that i want to do and that i want to experience so i don't have anything where i'm just like oh i'm tired of doing this by now except for like extra work but that's something sure (laughs) but but yeah really it's just if it does ignite that fire inside of me, if it's something that intrigues me, then I'll go after it. It doesn't matter what the genre is. Um, I won't do, you know, certain types of roles that feel demeaning or one or they're, or they're one note or just don't really give me much room to grow. Because mm-hmm. since, since it is still new to me, relatively, I want to continue to grow as an actor. And if I don't feel like, it will help me grow it all, then I'm not really interested in doing it. That's big. Because it sounds like it's a symbiosis, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's like you're hopefully <laughs> elevating the material, but the material right. is also elevating you. And it's like, this is the material technically, and it's artsy fartsy. I know, you know, I'm reading this Walter Mosley book, Elements of Fiction. He's like, the novel is an organic thing and it's got feelings and it's got you and it's like okay Walter wait a minute <laughs> so, so sometimes the script is like that too I'm sure you've experienced where it's like in a sense it is a living thing and it's like it's yeah. better because the right people in this case, you get attached in some way, shape, or form to one of the characters. But I think it's brilliant that you're like, but I want to take something from it as the actor. I want to yeah. be better. Maybe it doesn't have to be some towering thing. If it is, that's mm-hmm. cool. But I think that's cool that you're like, I want to sink my teeth into something that'll change me in some positive way, even if it's even if it's a small way. You right. Know? It's like, I don't know where my head will be at when I'm like, 20 years deep in this but for now it's just like there's still so much to do there's still so much out there that like I just I just want to get as much of this as I out of this as I possibly can so many people want to do this and can't for whatever reason or just never get the chance to and like that's not lost on me the fact that I'm able to do this at all especially in a pandemic so the fact that I'm able to do this I want to get as much of it or out of it as I can. Um, I also, though, you got to pay me. Like at this point, <laughs> the fact that it's a pandemic has shifted my perspective on the fact that I'm a gig worker. You know, yeah. if I could, if we didn't live in the society that we live in where we, you know, it's capitalism and we need to make money to survive. If I could, I would act for free. But because I can't, you got to pay me, especially because the government ain't going to take care of us gig workers when when ish hits the fan you know so 
I gotta, I gotta make some money off of this. I can't be taking no more free. <laughs> I can't be taking no more free gigs, especially because shout out to the homie Roderick. Um, mm-hmm. He, he, and I did a short together toward the end of last year that should come out uh, hopefully sometime this year. And that's the homie. So I would have done it for him for free, but he said, I want to pay you for this without me even asking. He said, I want to pay you for this because I understand that you, I am, I am utilizing you for a service. So if the homie understands that, then I definitely need somebody that I don't know, <laughs> you know, to to yeah. run me my coins for my service. <laughs> With clothes on your back, food on the table. <laughs> exactly. You know, loan repayment. Oh, don't get me started. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. no, that, that's that's. I know we're laughing, but it's 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 true. You're five or six years into this thing, taking it seriously, honing the craft, cultivating. Uh, relationships, professional and meaningful relationships, and you're trying to make it better. You're trying to make people's yeah. films and TV shows and what have you better, and it shouldn't be this shy, coy thing of like pursuing, you know, paid acting work. You know, it, yeah. it shouldn't. It shouldn't be like you're ashamed that you know you check to see backstage or wherever you look for uh, your next project um, and wonder you know is it paid or, or or something like you know it shouldn't or people try to you know uh, paid with exposure right and I used to have that shame I used to have that anxiety uh, you know I, 2020 took a lot from us but 2020 also added some perspective and without the pandemic, I probably would still be in kind of this, well, I don't know if I should ask for too much. And now like seeing the way that things got ripped from us, it made me, it pushed me forward. And I'm like, no, like not on no ego trip, anything. It's just like, I am providing you a service. So please pay me. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I I love that because that's a lot of integrity there. Um, sometimes it's a little bit weird to choose yourself, especially when money is involved and knowing your worth mm-hmm. and what have you. I don't know why, but we're not going to worry about that because it's good to be able to bridge that gap and get to a mature place of, uh, of knowing your worth. It doesn't even have to be, you know, a, a minimum SAG, you know, rates, um, right. or anything like that. It could just be someone's like, you know, I'm just making it up, but like, I'll pay you 50 bucks for the weekend, you know, and if you pay and if you believe in the project or something like that, again, I just made that up real, oh, yeah. you know, real actors like yourself. I'd be like, hold up, just I, can we make a 75? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I don't know, but it's, you know, um, $50. <laughs> one Ulysses, not like, and an Andrew Jackson, <laughs> at least, you know, you know. Yeah, um, but just to you know, j- just being paid for an artistic, uh, an artistic service, and um, mm-hmm. there and there are actors you and I know who are more eloquent, who have found ways, be it in a TED talk, be it in a press junket, to to mm-hmm. shine light on that and how you know, d- uh, what is it, wage disparity with with female actors, actors of color, and and just you know, or like 
God rest him, Chadwick, I think uh, made headlines uh, prior to his passing. I think when uh, he was in a certain project, I don't remember what it is. Let me know if you do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was um uh, something Bridges, 21 Bridges or something. And he was 21 Bridges. went out of his way to make sure that um I think Sienna Miller, his uh, female co-star, got paid the same rate that he did, I think. Yeah. And thing and just know your worth. Mm-hmm. No, know your worth. Are there a handful of actors that uh really have that that acting and that work ethic that you aspire to or that you feel yourself cultivating? Chadwick is definitely one of them. Um Chadwick uh you know was we I don't want to say we didn't know what we had until he was gone because, you know, the black community been appreciated Chadwick. Oh, but like, absolutely. There was a degree of how special he was that was amplified by his passing, um, where you realize that that man spent his entire career uh, in service of black excellence um, and celebrating blackness. And I wish that I could have met that man and shook his hand and said, thank you. Um, Me too. But no, yeah, Chadwick is one of them. Um, Donald Glover is, mm-hmm. you know, modern day Renaissance man. That dude, that dude can do anything. Yeah. Um, Michael B. Jordan. Uh, Michael B. Jordan somebody that I want to meet one day to have a conversation with about production because he has his own production company and he's just out here getting into all types of things um you know from voice acting anime uh video games like he's just spreading his wealth while also being a paid working actor and i i respect that about him um you know uh john boyega um you two need to play brothers or cousins or something (laughs) One one of our other friends was like you you were doing headshots one day, you'd gotten your hair did or something. And somebody was like, boy, if Marcus don't look like John Boyega, if you don't get in a Star <laughs> War. <laughs> and it's like- Find your way into a Star War. That is too true. Like, how did we not see <laughs> That would be- Yeah. Work. No, I, I, I would love that. I would love nothing more than that. <laughs> you know, um, let's see, Daniel Kaluuya. Um, I need you to be, I need you to work with Ava, Regina. I don't know what, it's probably because we're all celebrating one night in Miami. Oh, yeah. Like Black Avengers Assemble. We've been known Regina was out here. Regina King is so fire. But like, bruh, I don't know what it is. She's, She's like... Her film auntie levels are over 9,000 right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a blessing mm-hmm. to all of us. I hope it's a blessing to her. But I don't know, lately, her and Ava, I've, as it pertains to you, you know, there, there's also, you know, Gina, I hope I'm saying her name. She's she's one of those, she's, she's one of us who's got three names. <laughs> uh, Gina oh, yeah, Fun, yeah, yeah. Blythe Wood, I, I hope. Yeah, I, I believe that's right. I, yeah. I hope that's right, right. Yeah, yeah, from, I know exactly who you're talking about. From uh, be be behind the lights, be, uh, be beyond the lights, and, and beyond the lights, the old guard, and just you know, cloak yeah, and dagger. Uh, I still haven't seen that yet. Thank you for this. Too much TV. It's um, too much. 
too, too much to, you know, or um, what's her face who's been getting, getting her uh, candy coated flowers. Uh, now she's about to get that Marvel money. Um, oh, I'll, I'll try uh, and Mia, Mia DeCoste. Mia DeCoste, yeah. Yeah, yeah, prayerfully. I'll, I'll try to, to, to shoulder it because Marcus knows I'm not built for horror. <laughs> <laughs> that Candyman movie? I'm, I'm going to try and support her and Yaya. <laughs> it's just because I don't like horror movies, y'all. I, I couldn't. Yeah. Marcus laughed me to scorn because I couldn't even get through Lovecraft Country. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it ain't for everybody, bro. It's all right. I'm it's here for right. Jonathan and Journey, though, and, and Courtney and, and Michael K. Williams. I am, but I was just like, yeah, uh, bruh. But I mean, good for Misha Green. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's there's just so many, man. Like, you know, just the people that I named, the people that you named, like Black men and women and um, every other representation and gender identity. Like, there's just so many dope Black creatives now, man. Like, yeah. so... I, like I could na- I could sit here for another hour and yeah. just like rail off names because, you know, even though the world's still a dumpster fire, but like there has never been a better time to be black and creative, like ever. That's it. No, it's it's true, and it's um, it's a blessing that you get to do this, and it's a blessing that the Renaissance. You, when we grew up, yeah, you had TGI Fridays. I think half the shows were black, you know, Family Matters, mm-hmm. um, or maybe I'm confusing my networks, but I just remember, you know, hanging with Mr. Cooper, Moesha, you know. In the um, house. In, in, in the house, you know. Um, Disney, you know, that's so Raven and whatnot. And just, then we lost that. I don't know, yeah. I don't know what happened. Yeah, that just, that is weird that like, there was just this period of time where there was just, black television all over the place and like it was and it was so commonplace that we just didn't think about it we didn't think twice about it yeah and then we ain't notice that it was there until it was gone and there was like no and we don't know why it left it's so weird that that was so commonplace and then it just vanished and now we're back to a place where it's like oh yeah look at all these black shows but like Back then, it was just so commonplace. It's weird. And uh, what what is it? I think uh, uh, Marlon, Marlon Wayans, he's got a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, what's her face? Uh, uh, Keenan has a sitcom. Keenan, my parents were just watching. I was busy. I didn't get to catch it. But he, you know, he's been working hard at SNL and all that mm-hmm. Nickelodeon all his life. And now he's, you know, got his own show um, on NBC. Netflix is, is we're blessed. Netflix is is um, a lot of representation on there. Definitely oh yeah, a lot Netflix, of Netflix. A lot of black Netflix. No, nobody was more prepared for this pandemic than Netflix. Netflix was like, oh, so uh, people not going outside? Let's get these shows out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's you know, Big King Batch. I don't know if you mm-hmm. watched Sneakerhead, Mark. I didn't, but how was it? That thing's hilarious. That thing is so fresh. So six episodes. Oh, so it's a show. I thought it was a movie. It's. A, I thought it was a movie too. Actually, you no. Know, yeah, my family and I watched it. Next thing we look, we knew we watched it. 
in the whole evening and it's the pandemic oh. and i mean maybe it was the weekend i don't know but i mean six half hour episodes we burned through that thing it was mm. it's really fun it's really cool you know the sneakerhead culture and whatnot um and seeing king batch play a different uh kind of you know goo a different kind of goofy i'll just put it that way where i was like that's king okay Batch. um mm -hmm. this kind of endearing loser kind of care i was like oh that's kind of neat I, I don't i hope loser. i didn't mean to not throwing shade, just the, the t uh, maybe there's another way to put it, but just, you'll know when you watch the show, you know, he okay. kind of kind of comes off in that annoying Steve Urkel, go home Roger kind of way, you know, but he's also one of the heroes of the show. You know, it's, it's really cool, you know, shot all over LA and different parts of the world. And it's, it's a really fresh show and I, I hope it gets renewed. Um, oh, uh, I know, sorry, we're just reeling off shows. Last one. The OG with Tiffany Haddish and mm -hmm. um, Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan. You know, I've only seen the first season, but I thought that was a really fresh, really funny show. A little bit of drama sprinkled in here and there about, you know, uh, uh, an ex-con trying to come back to the community and turn things around, turn over a new leaf. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, you're right. It's just never been a better time to be a Black actor. Um, the Black Renaissance is, is a major blessing especially in mm -hmm. this, uh, being able to appreciate it in this pandemic, what's one stand out of that and what you've learned about acting in a pandemic to keep the dream alive? I think the biggest thing is just, the, the biggest shift has been um, just this constant awareness of um, making sure things are clean and making sure, I guess there's just this renewed um, adherence to making sure that people that you've employed are healthy, um, making sure that they're taken care of. Not saying that that wasn't there to begin with, but like now it's like, okay, if we are bringing people into the fold, we have to make sure that they are okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, it depends on the set really. Like I, I did a like commercial style shoot relatively recently and everybody had their own room so like, you know, when we weren't filming together, you know, masks were on and, you know, we would kind of be distanced and sometimes we'd have to be in our own cubicles, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, there is, uh, depending on the scale of it, of, of the production, there is definitely this kind of adherence or tr there, people are trying to make sure that there's adherence to it because, I mean, you hear how even on big Hollywood production sets like there'll be COVID outbreaks and you yeah. know just I mean unfortunately you can't really control what people gonna do when they leave the set you know yeah. so yeah. you can only try to keep things as regulated as you can while you are on set but yeah so there is just kind of it's it's relatively business as usual but just with more adherence to making sure everybody is healthy and safe. And so you've had good experiences and you're feeling, you're feeling good. You're just, mm -hmm. you're just doing what you need to do in stance because you're a level-headed person. And I was thinking like, you know, dang, how's this going to affect our industry? How's it going to affect, you know, Marcus as, as also as an actor, because they have, you guys will have, I mean, we'll all be, have exposure as we're trying to, you know, adhere to, to things. But, mm -hmm. you know, you know, I just worked on, on a job and they had, you know, 
we all had masks on, you know, but the, but the game show host, you know, will not because he's the host and it's, he's right. the with the camera and he's, we're all just trying to, you know, be safe, but I'm glad that this hasn't halted or if it did for a little while, it didn't last people, people innovate. That's what it sounds like. No. Yeah. For you. It's, especially. I was definitely like at the beginning portion sure, of the sure, pandemic, yeah. very, very concerned because, you know, everything had shut down and you know at the top part of 2020 i legit funny enough like right after our like i think the weekend of your birthday yeah the week after my birthday that's when everything just started going to hell and the top part of the year i really wasn't sure what i was going to be doing with my year because coming into 2020 i was expecting to just business as usual keep saying the momentum going and for about three or four months, there was just nothing for me. And I was tr- coming to terms with the fact that, like, I might not be acting at all that year. And I was like, I'm not sure what the world's going to look like come 2021. I don't know what's going to happen. I was supposed to move out to Cali right. last year, you know, so everything shifted. Um, but, you know, God bless, like, then the middle portion of the year happened and, I became more busy as an actor than I had been probably ever. And it, it was that just... I have to say for the acting, it feels like that's what happened to me. But this is about you. I just want, I was like, I feel like I'm busier as all get out on doing production assistance and utility on different... That's mm-hmm. what I don't, I don't understand. Thank I don't you know either. Else. Yeah. What happened? So that happened to you. You got busy as, mm-hmm. cra- as crap. Yeah. Toward the end of 2020 coming in 2021, huh? Yeah, it was it was strange. Uh, I, I'm I'm not one to look a gift horse in the mouth, but like you know, it was it was all very sudden, and I had to adjust very quickly to this new landscape because I was like, I'm not about to turn down these opportunities as long as we we out here COVID safe and and whatnot. So I'm about to I'm about to be working. That's what I'm about to be doing. Um, Got that yeah, that was action working <laughs> right exactly. You know, I see you at work, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it was, uh, it was a big shift, but now I've become kind of more accustomed to it all. Um, it's honestly going to be weird when, uh, we're on the other side of this thing, whenever that is. And we do, we just kind of go back to maybe not the norm because the new normal, it's going to be the new normal from here on out. You right. know, we're not going back to the, to the old world. It's just not the way that's going to work. But just like when not everything is defined by COVID, it's going to be interesting to be on a set post all that. Um, yeah. But for right now, yeah, you know, I've just kind of acclimated to it all and uh, somehow found a way to be busy and active, which is beautiful. If you could hype acting in the in acting craft, thespian craft, mm-hmm. how would you hype it? What are some things you would say now that you're like elbows deep? in it man acting um why acting because it's it's a chance to take a walk in someone else's shoes you know um you it gives you the chance to understand people a little better um and it gives you a chance to i don't know i i feel like I could be wrong. I could be, you know, talking out of my butt, but 
I feel like it's impossible to be an actor and not become at least a little more empathetic. Mm, thought you'd say that, yeah. You know, because you're playing these different people who have different experiences than you, sometimes similar experiences to you. And you're also acting opposite of other people who have different experiences than you and, and you're cultivating these connections, whether they be contentious or, or loving or anything in between. And I don't know, like that's, you're, you're living lives. You're living multiple lives in the course of months, years, you know? And that's so fascinating to me. Like, I, I don't think I'll ever fall out of love with acting because of just how much opportunity it affords you to just walk in people's shoes. You know, I, lo I love that aspect of it. That's beautiful. I feel that way about writing. It's a little bit different and that's okay, mm -hmm. but it's got the same quality if you look hard enough. And you don't have to look that that hard. Um, in that same Walter Mosley book I was joking about, one of the chapters mm -hmm. was kind of rehashing that in a different way, but saying the same adage of, you know, meeting different people, um, seeing what makes them tick, see what they're interested in, what is it they're striving for, um, even podcasting has kind of felt like that with, you know, I think I've said it before, I initially was a little trepidatious about doing guests and I wasn't sure I'd be mm -hmm. good at it and, you know, trying to get better at scheduling and, and you know, you got to show up um, yeah. for your guests, you know, but it kind of feels uh, like it feels similar to, you know, meeting, um, sure, I'm, I'm talking to friends, but, you know, I've been blessed to begin to branch out to talk to people I'm not as close to or that I don't know appreciate yeah. it. Um, I'm so proud of you, man. I appreciate <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Thug tears. Yeah. I, I bangs with that because um, that's a beautiful thing, you know, to be able to, you know, maybe don't agree with everybody. You know, how many times have you heard an actor say, you know, I don't agree with them, but I don't mm -hmm. judge them or, you know, yeah, or yeah, I don't think I've ever. Yeah. It's, Which it's, is it's one of those, it's just one of those things I think, where acting has helped me pay a lot more attention to context. You know, there's <clears throat> to the same sentiment, like you don't have to agree with somebody to understand, you know, that person. And like one of the key things, even if you're playing somebody that you just don't agree with, understanding that character will help you give a good performance, a truthful, honest performance. So like, they might do something that me, Marcus, would never do in a million years. But as long as I can understand why the person is doing that, then I can give a good performance. And it helps me, outside of the realm of acting, pay more attention to the context of people's actions, you know, which also keeps me measured in my reactions to people. Because it's like, that's, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm not quick to anger because I just see, okay, if someone's being a certain way to me, let me, instead of jumping to the conclusion, let me see, maybe they might have be having a bad day. Maybe something's off with them. Maybe something's happened to them. You know, obviously there are certain things like, you know, racism and other things where it's like, okay, yep. you know, I'm going to act accordingly, but 
in between that, there's so much gray. And so context is so key. And I think acting helps me stay very keyed in on context. If you were to, if you were to give an actor advice, an upcoming actor advice, would it cl- include some of that? And would you add anything? Yeah. Um, I, for, for upcoming actors, you know, cause I also still consider myself an upcoming actor. And that's great. <clears throat> that's good. Yeah. I, I, I would just say, you know, one, be patient <laughs> because this, this business is so daggone fickle. You know, you'll, you'll have waves of momentum and then you'll have dry spells and there's no rhyme or reason to it at all. Um, but also just like, make sure that you're having fun with it. Never put yourself in a position where you feel obligated. You know, n- you never want to find yourself in a toxic work environment and feel trapped there. If you're in a place where you're not feeling comfortable, leave. It doesn't matter what it is. Just leave. Like, just do yourself that favor. Um, But yeah, just like, just continue to have fun with it. Continue to challenge yourself in a healthy way. And also keep your mind open. That's great. Gems, guys, for all upcoming actors, I really hope that that uh, that you find that helpful. Um, yeah, I hope so too. What's the challenge you faced mm-hmm. that has strengthened you as an actor, or did you already just just touch on it? Uh, sort of. You know, um, I guess just getting out of my own head. You know. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's something that I am still <laughs> working on in my personal life. But like, like with acting, I remember like early on when like I was starting out, it was really hard for me to get out of my own head. I was just not sure of, I was too self-conscious about things. You know, I couldn't stop focusing on the fact that a camera was on and people were watching me and. Okay. After a certain point, though, I reminded myself that it's not about me. You know, obviously, if you, like I said, you know, not too long ago, if you're in a toxic work environment or you're in a place where you Mm -hmm. feel pressured, then that's something different. But in terms of just being a, a tool for the art, it really isn't about you. So I shouldn't be too worried about how I look in a scenario, you know. If I hear action, just do what I'm supposed to be doing and don't even think about the camera. Like, obviously, make sure that you're on point with your blocking and whatnot. You know, you don't want to mess up the scene. But outside of that, it doesn't matter if I look stupid. It ain't about me. You know, so that has definitely helped me out. Cool. That actually reminds me of something I learned at my latest uh, gig. I got to Mm -hmm. work with a stage manager who's working with the host. Uh, the host mm-hmm. of the show, um, big Hollywood show. And like when I'm with her on set, I'm not worried about assisting with the other PA uh, team. I'm not mm-hmm. concerned with making sure furniture is right or catering or making office runs and, you know, all the my- myriad <clears throat> things PAs do to help make the, the show a success. I'm, I've got singular focus when I was on stage 
with the with the camera people and the the, the stage directors and everyone and I was like this is great but oftentimes she only had me like print off a couple of rundowns or a couple of scripts or hand me that highlighter or check the temperature or or and I was like wait that's it because if you've been a production assistant you're ripping and running all the time all you're driving all over the city and so I'm used to that Mm -hmm. I'm not used to being able to sit down, observe action and cut, retakes. I'm not used to being able to joke with the talent and still effectively be doing my job. And mm -hmm. I realized like, oh, okay, it's Josiah, when you are on stage for this bracket of time that the stage manager and the production coordinator have carved out for you, I was so blessed, you're on, you're on stage. That's what you're doing. Don't worry about it. I mean, I still had my, my you know, walkie and I'm still hearing, you know, things going right. on. But nine times out of 10, it had nothing to do with me. You know, the rest of the team right. took care of it until it's lunch break, until it's wrap. And then I go back to my other duties. So to be able to realize that it wasn't about me, it was about doing my job effectively. It's all in context. You use the word context earlier. That's what matters. And you got to focus on that to get the job done. And it's okay. That that's my long-winded, right. <laughs> my long-winded way of kind of tying it up in a nice bow of what you're saying about being in context and it's not about you and having patience and you know so that you can do the job that that you need to do. Yeah, so, yeah, because a a lot of times we end up putting this pressure on ourselves to be something that we weren't even asked to be, you know, and so I think that like. I, it helped me to learn that like, you know, there are times where you're, you do a take and you're in, in your heart, you know, you could do better. So maybe yeah. you could be like, can we do another take? But in more times than not, it's like the director going to let you know if they're any, if they're worth, you know, if they're worth anything, the director will let you know if you are not communicating their vision properly, they're going to yeah. let you know. So if you don't hear nothing from them, then cool, get the take out the way and then set up for the next scene, bro. Don't worry about it. And another thing that, uh, another thing that I've learned along the way is acting, so much of acting is listening and reacting. I've learned along the way that you can tell when somebody is just getting their lines off. Like you can tell when they're waiting for their line like they're listening to someone else but they're not really listening and then they get their line off they're like okay my line's coming up so much of good acting at least in my view is listening to the words that are coming out of your scene partner's mouth and reacting accordingly and that has also helped me performance wise where it's like, all right, as long as I am in this space, as long as I am in this moment with my scene partner or scene partners, and I am taking it in and adjusting accordingly and adapting and reacting, then I can say I gave a good performance. Listening is key. And I've heard other actors say that as well as yourself. And there are some of the, the top dogs out there and they're enjoying a lot of success for doing exactly what you're saying. It's not about, you know, when they can jump on, you know, it's like double Dutch or a merry-go-round, you know, they're they're not trying to jump in and bogard. They're like, 
we'll make the scene beautiful together if I listen to my castmate and I hope that they're mm -hmm. listening uh, to me. Um, yep. Would that be something, maybe you've answered it. I was gonna ask what what's something you've learned about yourself thanks to acting? Does that fall into it? That definitely falls into it. <laughs> um, you know, the context thing, you know, it's not about me, but also I think I've just learned what I'm capable of through acting, you know? Um, you know this better than anybody, but for the listeners, you know, growing up, um, I, I was able to read and talk at a young age. And because of that, you know, gay, uh, I had nicknames like the governor. I had, you know, <laughs> people saying that I was going to be the president of the United States and all this stuff. And, you know, like nothing that's harmful. Like they were telling me, uplifting me, edifying me. But my young brain just took it as like, oh, I have these grand designs thrust upon me. And it kind of freaked me out. Um, and, you know, so when I got older, not to get too deep, but when I got older, it made me develop some pretty severe imposter syndrome when I just wasn't at this level that people said that I was supposed to be at. And mm. it really messed with me for a long time. And it wasn't until I really started taking off and taking a, taking a, a risk and betting on myself with this whole acting thing that I really started to learn more and more of what I was capable of. Not to say that everything's cured and I've suddenly <laughs> just like fully believe in myself, but more so just now I can say, oh yeah, I can do this. Or yeah, I'm, I'm capable of booking lead roles. I am capable of carrying a, a project on my back if I need to. I'm capable of these things. I have talent and ability. And acting really, Dagner saved my life on that. So, yeah. Uh, I love that. Let's take a quick break to talk about your podcasting. Uh, Marcus and I and our close friends used to be on a podcast, a pop culture podcast. We, yep. about, we most, after a while, we were only just talking about Marvel and Disney properties and video games. Um, we did that for a long time, you know, and then, you know, college happened, people got jobs, you know, um, life, yeah, life happened, but it, but it was, it was really good, you know, headed up by our friend Avery. That was, I, I didn't even know what podcasting was back then. I Me thought neither. Like, not really. Yeah. It wasn't right. like in the zeitgeist like it is now. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, you are one sixth. That's a lot of hosts. Yeah. Show is. <laughs> like it show is. Y'all sound like a K-pop group. Some of them got like a hundred <laughs> members. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um <laughs> you are one out of six members of the podcast Press X to start. Let's take a break to mm -hmm. talk about that. Tell the listeners, uh, for those who don't know, uh, about you and podcasting, where Press X to Start came from what it is and uh i think some good news you guys got recently yes 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 all right okay where to start where to start first off um so the aforementioned avery um a few years ago uh maybe like three or four at this point um kind of wanted to start 
doing a podcast again um because it had been a little bit since we were doing that pre uh, that pop culture podcast and he wanted it to kind of zero in more on gaming which is something that he's very passionate about he got connected with um another member which is still on the podcast now cameron and they started press x to start and at that point in time i was just editing for the podcast i was just there to edit um and nice. get their episodes out and then they were like do you want to come on every now and then for a guest spot um and so i was like yeah sure so at that time i was just there as uh uh occasional third and then over time it started to grow and grow and grow and then we ended up getting six people and is a revolving wheel like generally we have three or four people on for an episode but every now and then, you know, especially for video things, we'll have everybody on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the fact that we got six people and the podcast is just basically, as I said, centered on the gaming industry. Um, we talk about games that we've been playing, but we also examine the industry as a whole. And we kind of just looked at the landscape of video game journalism and realized, like most things in the entertainment industry, it is very white male dominated. And so we wanted to provide an alternative, not saying that there aren't other dope black game podcasters out there, but it's still not nearly as um, not nearly as prominent uh, as white male led podcasts about video gaming. You know, the biggest names in white the video, the biggest names in video game podcasting are still white and male for the most part. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to provide an alternative and it kind of just went off from there. And, you know, we're slowly but surely growing in our um, platform. You know, it's 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 hard building a fan base, as you know, with podcasting. Uh, yes, it's a it's a long winding road, you know, because it's not the podcasting boom anymore. Like when we first were doing pop culture podcasts and like podcasting was a thing but it wasn't as big as it is now so like yeah. now literally everybody and their mama got a podcast about something bruh like what's his name joe rogan is like a, a, an exclusive spotify podcast you have other mm -hmm. exclusive like we have spotify well i think we had spotify back then but like now spotify is a household like no one's on LimeWire anymore. <laughs> like, right, exactly. You know, we're not doing Dat Piff anymore. <laughs> you know, we we got I we got Apple Music now. We got mm -hmm. Spotify. You know, SoundCloud is still chugging along, doing its thing. Mm -hmm. We got Google Podcasts, and now you have all these different podcast platforms that I ain't never even. I I just found out. I'm sure you guys did too. Every now and again, I'll get an e I don't know an email. Somehow I'll learn that. Josiah's voice is now on another platform, which is right. awesome. But I'm like, how does that even work? You're right. Yeah, it wasn't back then. It wasn't the podcasting boom that it is now. Everyone yeah. on podcast. And that was before the pandemic when you had all the mm -hmm. time in the world. Exactly. And so, you know, it's it's been a it's been an up and down road. Like in 2020 especially toward the end of the year we hit like peak numbers for our for our podcast uh, right. it was it was really awesome thank you and then 
now we're, you know, spiking again with the numbers, which has been great. Uh, we have a surprisingly big, uh, I guess, fan base or listenership in uh, the UK, which is nice. I, I, I don't know. I don't know where these people came from. I don't know how they found us, but they are they are downloading our stuff and we are very thankful. Um, nice. And, you know, we've been Love trying to. to yeah, me too. Uh, and we've been trying to expand our platform more so that we're still doing the audio stuff. And we have like three different shows for the audio, which is our regular weekly podcast, which is Press X to start. And then we have Press X for the culture where we explicitly examine, you know, things in the industry that need to be addressed and that we bring our black perspective to. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have Press X, uh, to ramble, which is something we started doing where we just kind of talk about whatever. Uh, it doesn't have to be about video game and we just kind of bring it up. We're just continually trying to expand our platform, do more video stuff, get back into the streaming side of things and, you know, just continue to grow. Uh, we, we, we at some point want to bring more um, women into the fold uh, because yeah, we, it's it's six black dudes. And even though we are, you know, an underrepresented group of people, it's still a bunch of dudes. And so we want to have more diverse voices. And so we, we want to just bring in more people. Um, but yeah, uh, the good news is that uh, we did the, we were a part of the DC Web Fest last year, or yeah, last year. Yeah, and we yeah. won bronze for the podcasting uh, category, uh, which we had a lot of fun with. We were very thankful but we also were making fun of ourselves a lot <laughs> because <laughs> we were bronze. But uh, then <sighs> this year, we um, they don't have a podcasting category this year. They have digital expression as a category this year. And <sighs> what's crazy about that is we're up against web series, short films. We are the only podcast in the category. What? It, it, I know. So, you know, they must have really liked us. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we're up for another award this year. And um, Lord willing, we're able to become double award winning uh, and just continue to grow from there. You know, that's that's just the name of the game with this podcast. You know, it's 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 taken over my life when I'm not acting I'm probably editing for the podcast or recording the podcast or doing something uh with the podcast and I love it so much I love what we do I think it's legitimately a good podcast and I'm not just saying that because I'm on it and I edit it and yeah I just love it so much and I just want to see it continue to grow and flourish and open more doors for other people so yeah that's beautiful man yeah I I love watching it grow and and you know the, the various hosts and you guys have even started having guests on um you know mm -hmm. journalists other gamers maybe other podcast hosts you youtubers whoever i think that's really fire um it's also cool because you know i'm i mean i played video games you know here you know we talked about that growing up but i didn't stick with video games you know you you guys and our other friends and my brothers even you know, Daniel's got Twitch and plays along with you. Yeah, guys. actually, shout out Daniel's, to Daniel. 
Daniel's like a big fan of Press X to start and is, you know, close or, you know, with Marcus and mm-hmm. plays, um, hooks up with you guys on your Slack channel and whatever games you guys host and whatnot. Um, and I just think, yeah, I think it's a really great thing. And I'm glad, you know, that it, it's, it's different because I'm not really into video games anymore, but I still love story. I do, I will find myself like looking up you know, the storytelling and the, and the writing process of video games or um, even watching the cutscene films that YouTubers put together. Yeah, yeah. Hour, two hour long cutscenes, you know, cause I don't need to tell you video games, you know, the, the technology, it's so cinematic now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So cinematic now and I still, I'm still attracted to that stuff. And so it's cool for me, not just because you guys are my friends, though that that helps, but it's cool to get that window into another corner of nerd culture that I'm not really in, but there's still, you know, those Vendette diagrams, right? There's still some yeah. overlap, and I enjoy it. You're that. adjacent, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, the fact that you listen to it, like, it's it's great that we have gamers listen to the podcast and get something out of it, but it really means something that you... And I, some whoever else wa- listens to it that isn't a gamer, but still, I guess, just wants to listen to us ramble and talk about stuff and f- is able to find enjoyment still in the podcast, despite not being gamers. That means a lot. Um, we're niche because gaming is popular, but it's still kind of niche. And mm-hmm. so it's not as easy to build a platform as it would be if we were just talking about, you know, film or music or other more widespread, easy to to talk about things and so we i'm i'm very appreciative of you for uh continuing to listen it means a lot no you're welcome man where can people find i'll of course put it in the show notes for all the Mm -hmm. listeners where can people find press x to start podcast the website is press x number two start.com and on there you can see all of our socials um, you can have access to our YouTube channel. You can have He's access to YouTube. some of the episodes at the bottom of the um, page. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just like a gateway to all of our platforms. And you can find us as a podcast on Spotify. Google Play isn't a thing anymore. Um, Google so Podcasts. Spotify, yeah. Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can find us on uh, Apple, Apple Music, Stitchers. Yeah. yeah, like we're we're all over the place. Beautiful. Love it. You guys should absolutely check it out. Um, you don't have to be a gamer, but definitely we welcome the gamers to to check that out. Um, it's just another cool thing Marcus is into. You know, he's got acting. He's a big nerd with cartoons and, and video games as well. And I think you guys would really enjoy it. I think Press X to start. I think you guys are just getting started. No pun intended, <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> I'm proud of you guys. I think that's fire and that people are spotlighting you, you know, mm. you guys keep doing your thing. Thanks, bro. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, before we go this, yeah, this has been incredible. This has been, this has been remarkable, Marcus. Um, yeah, man. what have you, what are you allowed to talk about that you have coming up? Let's go, let's circle back and tie it all up real nice back to the acting. What yeah. are you allowed to talk about that you have coming up that you want people to look out for, um, whether it's already done 
whether it's about to start and there's um, there could be crowdfunding there could be websites to subscribe to what you got I did a music video for an up and coming artist in the area named Ryland that should be coming out um, probably in the next few months. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, I'll post it when it's available for everybody. And I'll share it in the show um, notes. Guys, don't worry. Yes, yes. Uh, I have some. I'm going to be doing a little bit of traveling soon for uh, certain things. I've got a web series coming up that I'll be doing in Virginia um, in May. So by the time this comes out, I'll have already either worked on it or still be working on it. Um, I'm going to New York to do a short film. Uh, Can't say a whole lot about that, but that'll be happening in June. And the biggest thing that uh, I can't go too deep into, but um, so your boy booked a TV pilot and (laughs) it's a fantasy show that is um, very indebted to your witchers, your Dungeons and Dragons, your, you know, any high fantasy Lord of the Rings, you know, it's it's very indebted to that style of fantasy. Man, when you, I'm mad when you said Witcher, I heard the theme music. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to Press X to start, they're always talking about the Witcher and new developments, and there's a little inside joke. I really didn't realize that it had, you said Witcher, and I immediately heard the, the cut scene in my head <laughs> and that's uh, editing i'm me. so that's- glad i am so glad <laughs> that that the has happened the chanting. <laughs> oh sorry y'all. oh man no but- if you play which i don't but i feel like i do because i listen to press x to start and i know <laughs> theme music so oh, that gets me every time um thank you <laughs> anyway, for that uh but yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a high fantasy show um, called Tavern Brawl. I play one of the leads. Um, I'm I own the tavern that uh, said Tavern Brawl sometimes happen at, uh, and it's just without giving really much of anything away. Uh, my character, I have a sister, and we kind of run this tavern that. Um, our parents have left to us. And usually in fantasy media, uh, it's about like there's this trope of you, your party meets in a tavern. Yeah. And that's usually like a start off point for a bigger, grander adventure. But one aspect of this show is looking at, well, what happens with the people that are left with the tavern after said adventurers leave? you know, and kind of like how there's still a life that's lived. There's still things that happened. And I'm uh, one of the people, the focal points of this story. Uh, There's so much more. We just recently had um, uh, a table read for the pilot and it's good, man. It's, it's good. I, I am so excited. I am so excited for this. Um, but I'm I'm very very excited for this man. Like I I cannot wait to um 
tell more, to show more, to talk to you about it, Josiah, because you know I'm going to be blowing up your phone about it. But <laughs> I, I can honestly say that I have never been more excited for something that I've been involved with because this, this is huge for me. Uh, I don't want to like ramble too much, but this is huge for me because Josiah already knows, but for the listeners, television is something that I've been chasing as an actor for years now. Um, I love film, short and long form, but I've there's always been a part of me that's wanted to sit with a character. And yeah. with television, you have that time and space to sit with the character, to grow with the character, to get to know this character and these other characters that you're en encompassing and you're interacting with. And the fact that my first television role is not only a lead role, but it's also in a fantasy realm and we just talked about I'm a big old nerd. So this is just, <laughs> it's just crazy. It's yeah. its so crazy. And, you know, the creators, um, James and John are fantastic. The rest of the cast are all fantastic people and all super talented. And I just can't yeah. wait to, to get started on this. And, you know, Lord willing, things go a certain way and, your boys might find himself just acting with this junk for the foreseeable future. So, uh, yeah, if anybody wants to learn more about the story and see the cast and keep updated yeah. um, on the project, go to Stormforged, Storm, S-T-O-R-M, Forged, F-O-R-G-E-D, studios.com, and you'll get to see everything. And then it's the same thing also on Instagram. So just, if you feel led to just check it out and yeah, just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. And, and subscribe to their YouTube because they'll put up the live streams right. or the pre-recorded zoom chats or whatever. And they're, they're letting the fans know, like just, they're just keeping you guys updated. So there are places that you can go if you're a fantasy uh, fan, you're you're into D and D and and whatnot, and and if you've enjoyed hearing about Marcus's acting journey, if you if you're new here, you know you can look forward to seeing him, you know, be one of the co leads in this television legit TV pilot TV show. It's yeah, uh, it it's sounds wild. like your brother is uh, big blessed because <laughs> it's T like you said, blessed TV, and highly TV. favored. <laughs> <laughs> yes i just i is is great um and i love how you're capitalizing on on your gifts and your work ethic is crazy and your gift is making making room for you and you know i hope this uh not to get mushy or you know to you know we are the world or anything but you know i hope you know especially in these covidian days as people just try to be safe and live an augmented normal, you know, a new, a new age right. um, safely that I hope this sparks a, a little hope. Um, Cause when we're dealing with stuff like that, you know, um, when you're dealing with real life stuff, fantasy and sci-fi and acting and storytelling is what you turn to, you know, I'm sure mm -hmm. Hulu and Netflix and everything spiked the past yeah. you know, 15, 16 months, whatever. Um, Absolutely. And uh, the stuff that you do, you know, 
really helps people escape for just a little while from, you know, what ails you. But um, I like to think it also helps us, you know, when the story, you know, when it's fade out, when you see, you know, the end, that helps us escape back into reality, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit rejuvenated, you know, uh, reinvigorated, and with some new ideas on how we can face, you know, real life challenges. Um, at least that's, that's what I hope. Uh, yeah, that is, that's the hope. That is absolutely the hope, the hope and the dream. Well, where can people find you, Marcus, if they want to keep up with what you're up to? Mm -hmm. uh, you can find me on Facebook at Marcus D. Ellison. Yeah, gotcha. And you can find me. Actor yeah, page. You know, right. The actor page is Marcus D. Ellison Jr. Bro, this has been great. Um, yeah, man. Always, always praying for you. Um, always proud right of you. Right back at you. Um, still, yeah, I can't believe that you, you are putting in work and uh, craft into a television show, James and John. <laughs> I just realized their names are James and John. <laughs> the, the apostles for all of you who paid attention in Sunday school. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty funny. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. The Lord knows what he's doing with you. Um, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're and my character's name is Oscar, so you know. <laughs> yes. Yes, that fortuitous fortuitous even transcends uh, the Academy Awards. It does high honor to Oscar Michaud, who I'm pretty sure we all really just kind of found out the Oscars, I think, are named after. Mm -hmm. How's that for Black Era? You know, Black History Month is every day. So exactly. That's a that's pretty awesome that <laughs> you check you follow him on Instagram. You'll see uh, his. Uh, I guess you all got a, 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 a what's the term? Commemorative character yes. hugs yes. and plaques. It's pretty yeah. great work. Woodwork. It's pretty awesome. Oh yeah, it's everything. insane. Mm -hmm. It says emblazoned Oscar. I'm like, dang. It's so it's so wild. It's wild. Like who needs a it's Hollywood star of fame? Like <laughs> my exactly. man got goblets. <laughs> I got. You know what I'm saying? We got mead to drink. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> I love it. Um, bro, this has been great. Guys, I yeah. hope you've listened. Hope you've listened to this episode. This is gonna be a little bit uh one of the longer ones, but uh, I if yeah, you, if you listen to the end, um, I hope you really uh enjoyed this. I hope uh this was uh encouraging to all the aspiring actors and writers and producers. I know we were talking about acting, but I hope this, you know, all of those who uh, are starting their cinematic journey, I hope this added, we hope that this added something to your pathway. Continue to be safe uh, out here in these COVIDian days. Yeah, continue to, to be safe, uh, keep mm -hmm. creating, and uh, I will talk to you guys on the next one. Remember to follow Marcus. Until next time, see ya, peace out. Thank you guys for tuning in to Josiah's Voice, the podcast. Subscribe on all listening platforms. And you can keep up with the show on social media by following at Josiah's Voice Pod on all social media. And keep up with the show on the blog. Subscribe at the blog at www.josiahsvoicepodcast.wordpress.com for all the show notes for each and every episode. 
And if you like my theme music, the song is called Emotion. It's by Mateo. Subscribe to him on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks, guys.